Welcome everybody back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. Tonight I am joined by my co-host Brad Hoppy. Brad, how are you tonight? Doing great, Jeff. Um, looking forward to tonight's podcast with Jason Quintano. Hey guys, how you doing? We're doing great, man. We're really happy to have you on, Jason. This is Jason Quintano, Fins and Grins Musky Charter. He's running typically out of St. Clair. Uh, so Jason, why don't you give us a little bit of a background story on Fins and Grins? How you got started in muskies? What got you started in guiding? Just kind of, uh, kind of the roots where you got started. Yeah, um, I'll, uh, I grew up out here on Lake St. Clair. I've been fishing here uh, ever since I was a kid. Uh, my dad uh, got it started. Me and my brother uh, Matthew, and uh, you know, we grew up fishing muskies and walleyes out here. And uh, about eleven years ago, uh, we started chartering and. Uh, it started off part-time actually i always said i'd never even go full-time don't want to be full-time and uh about six years ago i dove in full-time and uh, it's been going ever since uh we started off with just one boat trolling uh 30-foot baja and then uh from there then we got into casting and then uh our first casting boat was probably eight years ago and uh spencer berman actually taught me the ropes on casting and I taught him a few things about trolling, and that's how that whole thing evolved. And uh, it's been out here on Lake St. Clair ever since. And things, watch things change from low water to high water, and it's uh, definitely uh, changing every day. So then, let's talk a little bit about low water, high water. I'm imagining that you talked briefly earlier about high water before, you know, before we started recording about high water. How has the high water affected fishing this year? Um, it's been, uh, it's been going on the last couple of years, actually. Uh, you know, it's been going up slowly over, I'd say like four years been going up slowly, you know, every year. And right now we're at the peak, uh, we're at the highest since uh, 1989. And a lot of people think it's the rain and the snow. And like one of the few things I still actually remember from my captain's class is, uh, the earth is on a pendulum and every 19 to uh, 30 years that pendulum shifts. And that's what ultimately affects the water on the Great Lakes uh as in water uh you know depth now rain and snow and evaporation all are a big key in it but uh for the most part that is what uh that pendulum earth is what dictates you know the high water it's a cycle and so with the high water our biggest downfall is the volume it's not necessarily the depth it's the amount of water coming through uh and when that happens uh i could leave my shoreline here in the michigan side it'll be you know, 67 degrees, for instance, I'll get to the far east Canadian shoreline, which should typically be seven to, you know, nine degrees warmer on average. And it's, uh, it's the same temperature or a degree or two warmer. Uh, so with that being said, the fish are spread out everywhere. So instead of our typical patterns that work, uh, you know, the fish are spread out more and, you know, because more of a needle in the haystack, uh, you know, we're still getting them, you know, but. Yeah, it's a little bit slower, but the fish are very big and they're healthy. It sounds like uh, water temp is playing a huge factor. Um, are you also checking water temps below the surface as well, Jason? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, the, the water, you know, the last couple of years, especially in June through early July, that water will be, you know, will be warmer on the bottom than it is on the surface. So that also changes your depth settings for trolling, for casting. Uh, not casting necessarily as much as trolling, but trolling, it seems like, you know, uh, the shallow sets are definitely the key where opposed to deeper sets. And I think with that, it's because 
uh, the fish are more tempted to go up higher in the water column when it's warmer out instead of staying down deeper. You know, the bigger fish are lazy and they want to stay in that cooler water. And uh, with the water temperature, the same exact temperature all the way through, uh, the, the shallow sets are going to be going as well. So, uh, you know, it's definitely been a different trend of the shallow sets the past couple of years than, you know, deeper sets as well. So can you explain to the listeners a little bit more uh, in depth on how you're checking those water temps so that you do know where to set? Yeah, um, I have a, uh, uh, it's called a fish hawk. It's a, it's a little, uh, it's, uh, you put it right on your uh, swivel, like with a leader, and it'll give you, the, uh, it'll give you your uh, depth readings uh, for your lure and for, and for the water temperature. So uh, I'll throw that down there, like usually first thing in the morning, uh, you know, just to see what's going on. If it is different at all, um, you know, if the bottom is going to be warmer, or, or and sometimes the lake can flip as well. But uh, that fish hawk uh, will definitely give you those readings and you know get you pointing the right direction some days. But uh, you know, with the high waters, that's been the trend for June and July the past couple of years. Interesting. That fish hawk, that's the same thing that we, we shot a video for our YouTube channel coming up at some point. Um, when I was fishing in Minnesota with Brad, that's the device that we used with that Andy Brad. That's what, uh, that's what we were yep. using there, that same fish hawk. So for guys that are interested in it, we'll eventually have a video on our YouTube channel. We ran, uh, we ran a video, a demonstration video with Andy from Infamous Musky Tackle when I was fishing with Brad in Minnesota a couple weeks back. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool device. Like you said, you just clip it right on, let it run down. It'll run down to the bottom of your lure. It'll tell you how deep your lure is running. And then it'll also tell you water temperature at that level. No, And uh, the only, uh, the only bait I really have a hard time with, with it is, is our like mat locks and headlocks. Uh, I think they're so erratic that they're, ch- you know, that they're pounding that, that sensor around a little bit more. I mean, it works, you know, cause I definitely use it for that still as well. You like to get my depth reading, but, uh, um, it's definitely, you know, it could, th- that matlock and headlock could throw that sensor off a little bit. You got to do it a couple of times. It seems like to get it to, uh, you know, to key in. So. Interesting. I, uh, you know, my open water type fishing that I'm doing, Jason, cause I mean, honestly, you're doing pretty much open water all the time. Um, yeah, cool. but you definitely, I mean, are you dealing with currents as well? I mean, that's something that I don't deal with other than like wind driven currents for the most part in the lakes that I'm fishing. Oh yeah. I mean, there's definitely current. Um, a lot of guys, you know, cause it's a big lake. They really don't think about the current. And I mean, we're on the East end of the lake. There's not as much current, but if you're, you know, closer to the channels, like by, by St. Clair river or Detroit river, there's a tremendous amount of current and uh, that's going to affect how your bait runs as well. You know, so that's something that you got to think about and, you know, pay attention to when, you know, on the rough days or calm days and if you're close to the channel or not. But you know, your baits are definitely doing a little something different under the water than what most people think. Um, right, right. I find um, in my open water stuff that I'm doing, uh, generally speaking, I mean, if I have a really strong wind, if it's a light wind, it doesn't matter as much. But the strong winds, I find that uh, most often I'm going to catch my fish going with the wind. And um, when I'm kind of cutting back straight into the wind, it's usually like, man, am I even going to get a hit? You know, I'm wasting time on the water. But do you see some of that with some of those currents as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's days here we get them going only into the wind. There's days you get them only going with, you know, uh, going with them. And then some days troughing them. But, yes. uh, I mean, that's definitely, you know, a factor. 
usually I'd say going with them. I mean, for the most part, it's because your bait's running, uh, running at a smoother speed. Uh, but like today, today was really choppy. I mean, we were fishing in, you know, three, four footers and we were getting them going into them. And I'd actually rather hook them going into them because I could control the boat speed a lot easier, you know, when we're trolling and when we're fighting them than opposed to when I'm going with them. You know, because when I'm going with them, if I'm in, you know, 25 mile an hour wind, it's going to keep on pushing my boat at two mile an hour. So, you know, it definitely helps when I hook them going into them opposed to going with them. That definitely makes sense. Really makes sense. Um, I find it interesting that you're doing that going into the wind like that, but I I would agree with you completely. Um, I do know, you know, the way you set your boards, um, you can make those baits hop. You can make them do different things. Um, But I find for me personally on the bodies of water, I fish um, a slow or a, 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 what am I trying to say here? a consistent speed without the erraticness um of that jumping and hopping definitely provides me more fish in the boat oh yeah oh yeah yeah, definitely i I agree 100 percent. i mean even out here um say when we get into four or five foot waves and we're fishing into big tournaments out here our big like musky bash or bell river if, if those waves are three to five footers the boats that are 34 foot plus are going to do better than the boats that are, you know, 20, you know, 20 foot to 30 foot because they're holding their speed better. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, um, you know, when you're in a small boat and you're in that kind of chop, you're going to bounce around a lot more. And when we're in our, you know, when you're in big boats, you know, your speed's going to stay a lot more stable. So it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, one year, the musky bash, our big tournament, there's like legit five, six footers the entire weekend. And the only boats that placed in them were 36 to 40 foot boats, you know, cause they're, you know, 15,000 pound boats and they can, you know, maintain their speed at, you know, in that kind of chop. So Interesting. One thing I will say though, like, especially if you're running tails, you know, and, and chop like that, no matter where you are, you're going to want, if you're running boards, inline boards, or, you know, big boards you definitely want to try to have your tails on the inside of your spread opposed to the outside of your spread the inside is going to maintain speed better than your outside so you know because your outside will be jumping around a little bit more opposed to your inside board lines so well i think jeff um got to experience a little bit of that over here with what i'm doing in the open water and i would definitely agree with you jason i you know, it's so funny, all the different people I talk to that do different kinds of trolling, um, all the, the ideas that we've all learned over a period of years, we all kind of learned them on our own. But when we start talking about it together like this, all oh, yeah. those little idiosyncrasies come together. They, you know, they, right. they match. Um, yep. How are you controlling your blades um, when you're trolling? Uh, are you using weights? Um, do you run a down rod? Because Normally, when I'm running blades, I'm running them on a down, down rod. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, I'll run a down rod. I'll run them on the long rods. I mean, everywhere on the boat. Um, so, on the down rods, uh, I typically will have, uh, on a, like with blades, eight ounces to a pound of weight in front of them. Um, on the boards, anywhere from one ounce, one ounce to eight ounces. It all depends on how deep I want to get it. So... 
Uh, and then I'll have 20 foot leaders and six foot leaders I, on the boards. I have 20 foot leaders and on, uh, on the boat rods, I'll have six to eight foot leaders. How are so, you managing that long a leader? Um, I use snap weights. Um, a local, uh, gentleman, Dick Mason makes them. And, uh, uh we got snap weights that go on, uh, uh, they'll clip right onto the leader. There's a pin in the middle of it. And then, uh, I like to keep my weight on the leader because, believe it or not, the fish here love to hit the main line. And uh, uh, they love to hit the, the weight. And when they hit the weight, they'll pop your main line. So at least if I put it on the leader itself, it's like an OR-16, but a little bit bigger. Yep. Um, that way, uh, uh, that way, you know, like my leader is not bulletproof, but it will hold up a lot quicker than the main line because the fish here love hitting the weights, and there goes your whole bait and everything gone. So... Yeah, that's wild. I'm assuming then with the with the leaders that long, you must be direct tying right to the main line. Yep, yep. I, I use an improved Albright um, uh, to connect the main line and the leader, and then uh, and then I'll have the snap weight on there, and then uh, sometimes I'll add in another little for tails. I'll either attach another ball bearing swivel for extra in case we get weeds on it, or I'll tie on like another little small two foot leader with another barrel swivel in there so that way there's always you know to prevent line twist so don't get any weeds on it or anything it's it'll twist up your whole line and lose your bait and it's a mess so <laughs> how often are you cleaning lines oh uh, i mean this time of year not bad you know we, we, we could probably let a set run for like a half hour at a time in the summertime you know once we get into like july and august uh, we call that bale and hay and that's what makes me laugh. I mean, I, I cast, I love casting and I troll I'm about 50, 50. And when guys say that trolling's not work, it's, it's work for me. It's, I'd rather go casting sometimes than trolling. So because we're just constantly go to one side, let it sit for five minutes and go to the other side. Well, six rods per side. So, you know, 12 rods total so most days. So it's, it's work, especially when you got a double 10 out you know, a hundred foot off the board and then, uh, you know, then 150 foot to the end of the line. It makes it fun, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know yesterday, uh, we ran into that a little bit here. We kind of had a Southeast wind for probably, I don't know, a week, week and a half. And, uh, all of a sudden we've got this Northwest wind and now all that crap is blowing around out the middle of the water again. So we've had to check a bunch of lines the last two days. (laughs) Fun. Yeah, it's always a good time. Why are you talking about baling hay? Carrie just showed up, and then she's wondering why we're talking about baling hay. Well, we're doing a little farming now. (laughs) We're sponsored by John Deere now. Yes. (laughs) So, Jason, I had heard that over the winter that you had gotten a new boat. Let's talk a little bit about that. How's how how was it with the having the new boat versus the old boat? How much bigger is the new one, or is it even bigger than the new one? Oh yeah, um, it's a uh, uh, yeah. Baja was a, a thirty foot sport fish. It was a great boat. Um, the only downfall of it, it was a eight thousand pound boat. And I mean, and it, when, when this conversation like this, a lot of people really don't get it until they're here and they see the lake and they understand like what you know what we're talking about because it gets like this whole you know past three four days have been brutal. Today I came in and four footers. I mean, and our four footers aren't like. It's not like a, a roll. It's a chop. It's a you know real tight chop, and it's, there's nothing nice about it. So, uh, 
the Baja, it was an 8,000 pound boat, 30 footer. Uh, the new boat is a, it's a 31 open, it's called, but it's actually 33 foot, 13,000 pounds. And, you know, when you're running, it's just, you know, you go through a chop a lot easier. It's a little bit more, it's a lot more expensive. But, you know, you got twin 454s instead of one 454. Um, but trolling wise, we're back to the speed. The speed, that's what it's about. I mean, you know, I did extremely well in the Baja. I mean, I'm not saying nothing bad about that, the old fins and grin. But uh, this new boat is just, it holds its speed, uh, the way it vibrates in the water. And most people don't even realize that either until they come here. But the big boats, how they bump in the water, it attracts fish. And most guys who, who've come here, they don't believe it. And then after they fish here for a while, they're like, yes, that's true. If, if I have my port side motor on, my port side down rods and long rods are going to outfish the other side 90% of the time. If I have my starboard motor on, it's vice versa. So just the way the, the boat, you know, thumps in the water and holds the speed, it's, it's been great so far. Um, it's been, you know, it's been a, a tough opener for us here. I mean, we're catching fish. I mean, tough by our standards, but, uh, she, you know, so far, no skunks. It's been, it's been a good season so far. So, but, you know, I think we got right now five over five over, we have five over 50 and probably like 12 over 30 pounds. So in the first three weeks. So, I mean, but numbers have definitely been down. So, you know, we're on average, you know, four to six fish, four to seven fish, uh, which in a normal June before high water, we actually can rack up, you know, quite, you know, quite a bit of numbers. But, uh, you know, the high water, that's been the case. But the new boat's been doing great. So, Well, I had heard that uh, you had a little incident with that boat already. Um, oh, yeah. That had- yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. We're we're on our way in uh, with uh, with uh, Jeff Schulte, uh, Jake, and uh, and Zach and Lee, and off in the Phantom crew, and we had a great two days fishing. And uh, on the way in with the high water, and it was choppy again, probably you know three four footers. And I'm standing up. It's not like I'm sitting down, you know, you know, just, you know, shooting the shit with the guys or nothing like that. I'm looking straight ahead and nail a deadhead probably like 30 feet long and uh, wipe out my prop on the starboard side and had to lift the motor up and put two new props on so but with the high water you know typically that's over with by june and now you know with the high waters logs everywhere so yeah keep your head on a swivel all the time and, and actually i hit i hit another one the other day and i hit it and bam split it right in half and i didn't even see that one either so hopefully that's the last one <laughs> yeah. That gets well, expensive in a big hurry. Oh yeah, twelve hundred dollars a prop. So, yeah. but yeah, but I mean, it's you know, in the high water, all those old branches and limbs and logs, all just been sitting up on the banks, and now it's high, and they're gonna keep on coming down. So, again, it's part of the game, I guess. Right, Brad, you do you still find that? it to be amazing that you know he's complaining about four to seven fish a day and we we're, we're looking for like one <laughs> two <laughs> well you know the neat thing about the open water trolling honestly uh when things really heat up here too you know i i'm looking for three to five bites a day um does that always happen no it doesn't um but you know it 
this whole open water thing is a crazy deal to a lot of people. And, and Jason said it earlier, you know, it's kind of a needle in a haystack, if you will. And um, sometimes that could be challenging, but you know, all the little idiosyncrasies that, uh, that we've been talking about, um, you start putting those pieces of the puzzle together and the fish become achievable. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep, I mean, in an open water scenario, like that's all about details. I mean, and you got to be good with your electronics. You got to be, you know, paying attention to everything and try to put everything together daily. I mean, everyone thinks out here is just, you know, it's Lake St. Clair. It's going to be easy. No problem. Without, you know, until that high water goes down, it's not going to be that easy. You know, I know a lot of really good fishermen this year who, you know, got, got gunks and, and that's not, you know, I'm not saying nothing bad. Just, you know, it's not, not as easy as, as it used to be. I can tell you that. So. Well, it happens to all of us. There's no doubt. I mean, yeah. the struggle can be real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, well, I think we should talk more, you know, can we get more in depth? I know you, you were talking about how you're rigging your lines. Um, can we get more in depth with uh, what bait choices you like to use and why and and what you look for in a bait when you're starting to run it, you know? Yeah. Well, um, for us, like our crankbaits here on Lake St. Clair, besides fall time, you know, you know, in the fall we'll run you know, ten inch ziggies and nils and you know, straight, you know, bait baits that basically track straight. Um in the summertime, all the way June through, you know, fall and even into the fall our baits hunt too. But we we want our baits to hunt. You know, we want them to, you know, tr- you know, kick off one way or the other and not track true the entire time. So, uh, you know, for a long time, all you ever heard about was small baits, small baits, small baits, June through September. I've been catching big fish on matlocks and headlocks and phantoms now, uh, you know, big baits that hunt the entire, in, in t- the entire season from the opener to the close. You know, the first time I saw a headlock, that was probably... I don't know, seven years ago, I saw a video of it and it's hunting like basically like a Loki or Ziggy, one of our baits here, but it's a 10 inch, 12 inch bait. I'm like, that's going to catch fish all year. You know, and that, that's the key is the whole action of the bait. Not necessarily, you know, uh, the size of it all the time. I think, I think it's the action. Uh, you know, if I can compare it to casting, I catch fish all summer long on bulldogs that are 21 inches on a pole. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's necessarily the size of the meal. It's the action. You know what I mean? Now, some days they do want a smaller six-inch bait consistently, but I catch big fish on, you know, 10-inch baits, 12-inch baits all season long. Now, with the tails, right now, it's definitely been a small tail bite. Um, so far this year, which they will turn on, uh, they'll probably turn on probably, you know, first week July or so or probably the next week or two here. Um uh, I have not caught a fish on a double 10 yet. Small tails, uh, the single girl, um, single girl has been really good. Um, I catch a fish on high fins and pikeys, which is a Canadian version of a high fin, but small tails have been the best. Uh, that musky mayhem single girl, that the vibration on that tail and mixed with that marabou is outstanding. Uh, we had a day this year, um, we caught four or five fish in an hour. All on. As soon as I put a mayhem in the water, the single girl gone, gone, gone. As soon as I put them in, now I've been running them for a week. They slow down, but as soon as the tails turn back on, they'll get going again. But uh, you know, six-inch crankbaits, ten-inch crankbaits, uh, small bucktails, big bucktails. Right now, there's no pattern either. 
everyone's asking me what pattern there's there's no pattern I, like every couple of days i can maybe get excited for a little pattern but there's not even really a huge color pattern it's this color so, you know a dog turd for example then an olive frog then a perch and maybe they might hit the same bait twice in a day but for the most part there hasn't even been a pattern yet so but you know all hunting baits and right now uh you know especially with bucktails right now the different blade combinations are going good uh nine over tens uh you know last year not right now sorry about that but you know last year nine over tens were really good the different blade combinations uh you know i'm also messing around with other stuff right now but you know small the small tails have been the best that's intriguing um you know, it, you kind of mentioned it too, that size really doesn't matter for the beginning of season. And I, you know, I'm kind of, I guess I cut against the grain, if you will. Um, I know everybody believes got to go downsize, downsize at the beginning of the season. And we were just talking about this yesterday with some fishermen in the boat. Um, I generally go big right away. And, uh, you know, I've tried playing with some of that in the open water this year, Jason, where I, I wouldn't normally use anything smaller than 10 inches, you know? Oh, wow. But, uh, and honestly, I still haven't had a whole ton of luck with my smaller stuff. So I, I'm struggling with that right now, but I'm going to keep playing with it. Um, I think you have a little bit of an advantage of most of us here in the Midwest where you're able to run those 12 lines with that big boat. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, where I'm, I'm trying to be a refugee boat. I'm trying to pile in as many people because here in Minnesota, it's one line per angler. And so it makes things tough, but uh, definitely always experimenting. I'm always trying to experiment with, uh, with at least one line all day. Oh yeah. Can you run sliders there, Brad, or is it no sliders allowed? No, no sliders. I, wow. I'd love to. Um, wow. Um, Harry's curious what a slider is, Jason. Oh, a uh, slider would be like, so if you had your, uh, your plane bird line out, you, 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 you can run it up and down rod if you wanted, but, um, you'd let out your, your, if you had a mast out, for example, you'd let your line out, then you have like a 20 foot leader, not can, you know, not connected to the line. And then you, you so when you clip your line, you let it slide down and you, then you grab another clip pinch it onto your main line and then grab the slider, attach it, and then it'll slide down. So you're fishing two lures at one time on one pole. So, and then when, the fish hits, then when the fish hits, it'll pop that, that clip to the second clip you put on and it'll slide down to your main line and pop that clip. And then the last 20 feet, then you got to hand line it in. So that sounds exciting. Oh yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> No, I would I would love to be able to do that here, uh, but like I said, unfortunately, it's uh, one line per person, and that can be challenging. I'm I'm curious about this, Jason. Um, you know, when you're running a slider like that, because I'm assuming you're doing that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm curious. Um, are you trying to build a school out of your crankbaits? Oh yeah, definitely. And then even how we stack them on the boards. You know what I mean, like. If you let your your inside in, uh, like your inside bore line, if you have four lines out, and you let your 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 inside up high up high and tight, then your next one you would run a little bit further back and try to focus on the same depth. That way, when that fish comes in, it'll be it could be following that one. If you don't want that one, as it, as it kicks back, 
your second line is going right by it. And a lot of times that's when you get your bite. Like on my boat, we call that the sweet spot. So, uh, and, and I'll typically have a tail there. So that tail will be the same depth, but further back. And with the angle of the planer board line, it'll be sitting there, you know, should be right in that same uh, vicinity. Um, not to veer off the subject, but I've been trolling with the pan optics and what I'm seeing and learning from that is just unbelievable. Like, like how you're watching your baits and like how they're really stacked in the water column. Uh, that might be a whole other subject for another show. <laughs> but, well, definitely. I'm very intrigued but, about the pan optics. Um, yeah. What kind of field of view are you getting with the pan optics looking back at your, your string of lines? So right now, like I have a mounted uh, picture on my, on my, uh, it's on my port side gunnel, like on my track. And I, uh, I have it, you know, rigged up right now with a big Ram mount. Then uh, I'm actually working with uh, another company right now, uh, Drifter Tackle, we're making a mount. Anyways, that's supposed to be done soon. But right now I just have it mounted to the side with, uh, with a Ram mount. And then I got a piece of rope for extra backer and I got it on PVC. It's a whole, it was working pretty good. I've used it all, all for three weeks now. And, uh, anyways, so it, that is about where, you, where you'd have your down rod normally on your boat picture right there. Um, I can see my long rod, my down rod, and I can see my two inside bore lines. So I can see four lures at one time. And yeah. how far away are they from the boat, Jason? Um, uh, sometimes a hundred, a hundred feet away. Yeah. What kind and of feel? What kind of field of view do you get at 100 feet? I mean, I'm talking, you know, it's shooting out there. How wide are you able to look? So, like, the angle of it is, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how wide it is, but it's got to be fairly wide. I'm still trying to figure that out. But because, so how I have it pointed out is on an angle to be able to pick up my two planar board lines as, long, as well as the down and the long rod. So, it's got to be getting at least, you know, 50, I'd say at least 50 yards wide at the end of the 100 feet. You know what I mean? Because I'm picking up all four lures at one time. So, and you can see my knot, you can see the swivels, and you can see the baits. I mean, that's how sensitive it is. That's absolutely incredible. Really oh, yeah. sure is. And what's, I, what's, really, what's really cool about it, too, is, like, you can see your prop wash going away from the boat. And like I was talking about my inside bore line, I'll set my inside bore line like right in the edge of that prop wash. You know what I mean? Like I can actually see it. And that's not just a guess with your eyes. I mean, I can see like the, you know, I can see the turbulence on the sonar and I'll set, I'll set my, my, my uh, inside bore line right in the edge. And, uh, you know, see follows, you know, throughout the day I've seen, uh, uh, a 48 smoke one already and uh, numerous other fish. Yesterday I saw one smoke the matlock. It said fish, fish, fish on the matlock, and all of a sudden, rawr, rawr, rawr. and that was before you know the rod even went. So, it's you know, just seeing everything and learning everything is pretty impressive. So, it is impressive. Have you used it yet in a casting atmosphere? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I, I've been trolling most of the year so far. I casted once so far, and I could see my pounder 110 feet away. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and then like you know, Medusas, you know, that the pounders show up really good. The Medusas seem to show up a little bit better, maybe because of the wider profile. But I mean, I can see the pounder just as well, and you know, you bring in the bait in. 
I don't know if it's a muskie or not, but it looked it looked like one on the screen one time, and you literally dropped the bait right in front of his face, and you see the fish kick off to his thigh. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not eating it right now. I mean, it you know just to see how deep your bait's actually coming in, it, you know that's you know that's a learning curve right there. You know, you know, like if I have a, a client that has a hot cadence going, I'll be able to watch his bait come in. You know what I mean to see what he's doing differently than the other guy. That maybe help him. On the other hand, you know, get his cadence going. Because if I had two clients on the front of the bow with, you know, two, you know, exact rod, same line, same baits, usually one guy's on fire, the other one's not. And it's just because his cadence is slightly different. So the cadence, the speed of retrieval, I, I still think yeah. that that's a huge deal in this sport. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what what side imaging are you using? Oh, no, I use all birds. Uh, the, the mega imaging is just phenomenal. So, and how I have it, which is kind of cool too, is in the, is in the Tierra. Um, I have through hauls because on the, on the big boats you can't have them on a transom because the prop wash, the intakes, everything will just blow right through it. So you 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 got to have them up further and then have them connected with a Y cable. So the panoptics transducer is further back. So if I'm watching the port side, that's where I have it mounted. I actually see the fish on the side imaging. Then I actually see how they're reacting, falling away from the boat. And you know what I mean? So I actually get to see them first on the side imaging. Then I see them on the pan optic. Intriguing. It'll be, it'll be pretty cool also to see, cause hummingbird hasn't really gotten into that same, that same pan optics thing, but you know, it's coming. It'll be interesting to see how they do it because they've done such a great job with the mega imaging. I'm anxious to see, when hummingbird enters oh, yeah. into that market too. Yep, me too. Because um, buying all these different units isn't cheap. <laughs> so it'd be nice if they have birds or whatever. You know what I mean? Because right now I got hummingbirds, garments, and got them on the casting boat and a trolling boat. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, lures catch all of our fish, but especially how I fish out here with you know open water, electronics is the key. You know, if you're not, if you're not keyed in with your electronics. Now, you can stumble into a big fish. I mean, it's going to happen over and over and over again. But, I mean, day in, day out, you know, out here, I know when I'm on muskies, and I know when I'm not. So, you know, that's the main thing. And sometimes it's really depressing being good with the electronics, because I'm sure Brad can tell you, too. It's just, you're like, oh, well, I don't something it's going to happen today, because I'm not marking when I'm supposed to be marking. So that's the only downfall about being good with your electronics. Yeah, it can make for some fr- frustrating to hours, you know. <laughs> but but the neat thing about it is is that um you know when you start seeing that bait start lifting and you kind of start putting everything together as the day progresses it kind of pumps you up and and one thing oh. i seen yesterday was uh or excuse me two days ago um one basin in the lake really wasn't the bait was way down low and they were holding tight to the bottom um i went to the other end of the lake and um Definitely the bait was up higher. We ended up smucking a fish right away. And uh, then we went over to the other basin that kind of duplicated what we had done on that side and ended up with a second fish. Um, and I, I'm thinking that a lot of that has to do with temperature, like you're talking about, because I've noticed this year um, we're a little bit cooler than normal and I'm catching fish in different locations than I normally would. So. I'm, I'm intrigued with that temperature deal, and it's kind of interesting you brought up the fish hawk. Um, I've always wanted one, and um, we I should have it here tomorrow, I'm thinking. So 
I ordered one finally because of oh. basically, I mean, you kind of confirmed what I'm thinking. So. Yeah, like before I had the Panoptis like this year, I mean, that's what I do too. Like, you know, all my trolling depths, um, I'd have that and I write them all down every time I tested one. And that way, you know, I know where all my baits are all the time. You know, and, you know, most people would think just go out, you throw your lure out there and you troll around. I mean, they all got to be stacked perfectly. And, you know, there's a lot more to it than what most people think about trolling in general, though. So it's got like that negative light to it sometimes. But, you know, there's a lot more to, you know, good trolling opposed to just trolling around. So. There's no doubt. And there's so many different techniques. And I mean, honestly, uh, I've learned a lot from Greg Thomas with the trolling side of things, um, both short line and this, uh, the boards, uh, Matt Seifert, he, uh, introduced me to the mass fishing, which, you know, I've used mass out on the great lakes, like for salmon and, and trout, but I had never put it in play till about three years ago, um, for muskies and it's a great tool. It's a really useful tool. And, I, it's expensive. I mean, you got to be kind of committed, but uh, oh, yeah. there's a lot of neat things you can do with it. That's for sure. Yep, definitely. I mean, and, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, if you don't necessarily want to troll all day, especially when you come here, you should be trolling for a little bit to find fish, you know, key in where they are, then cast, you know, because if you just come out here and plant down and think you're just going to like be right on top of fish, I mean, you could get lucky. But for the most part, you know, you got to be able to find them and, you know, to get on them. And, you know, when you get here, it's just a wide open bowl with no structure. You know, our structure here is bait, fish, and watercolor. I mean, and that's it. So, and from there, you just got to be, you know, know what you're looking at with your side imaging and your electronics and start from there. So can you relate watercolor um, and what you're looking for, Jason, as well as uh, a combination with the color of baits you run? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Huge factor. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, trolling, you know, trolling, I'll I'll go, you know, six inches of water, you know, uh, a viz, you know, all the way up to three foot. I don't like, you know, nothing more than three foot usually. But, you know, sometimes that's the only option. But I'm always looking for, you know, that foot and a half to one foot visibility, especially for trolling. Casting, I want to be, you know, two and a half foot, three foot for the most part all the time. I'll take a foot and a half. But out here, unless it's fall time and the fish are packed in an area super tight, it's really hard to get, you know, it's really hard to get the fish casting with under a foot of visibility. Trolling, you know, those fish can key in better on that vibrating bait at one depth. When you're casting, you know, the bait's hitting the water, you know, it's going down, coming back up, so the fish can't really, you know, they don't have time to, you know, key in on that bait. Trolling and staying out, you know, 14 feet, for example, those fish can, you know, key in with their lateral line in the mud, you know, in vision, and, you know, it's a lot easier to troll in dirtier water. Now, with muddy water, you know, I'm going to use dark baits. I'm going to run them high. You know, usually, you know, your higher sets because the fish can see it up against the silhouette, like on a sunny day. Um, you know, bright colors, clean water. I'm going to go more natural colors. You know, your frogs, blue frogs. Uh, out here, we run a lot of frogs. Uh, you know, you know, we don't have frogs, but everyone always asks that. Um, you know, you got uh, your perches. So in the cleaner water, I'm going to go more towards with the natural baits. And then, you know, dirty water, I'm going to try to stand out or black baits or white baits. 
That makes sense. I mean, that's pretty typical of all musky water for the most part, but uh, yeah. it's always interesting to hear everybody's uh, point of view. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Jeff, being uh, the owner of TRO, he likes uh, a lot of different wild colors since most of his base <laughs> cells are, are custom. Um, so one of the the baits that i have really scored really well with this year and and it's not my typical color um but uh it's pink lemonade and it's a hex bait um from phantom that i've been just crushing fish on it's a blight flashy um yellow with a pink head on it basically and um Hmm. it's not typical to my fishing but it is kind of cisco-y i guess in the water yeah, yeah. Um, is that the seven and a half or the ten? I'm running mostly tens. I do have a few seven and a halves, and I've got a bunch of twelves um, this year for whatever reason, and it seems to vary year to year. Now our water is a little bit cooler than normal, but the ten inch hex has outperformed basically everything, and we've uh, done good with some matlocks as well. But, All right. Yeah, and we've, we've caught quite a few on blades as well. Carrie just reminded me, but I, you know, I. <laughs> I forget about my own stuff, I guess. It's probably a three-way tie if you want to go over and, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> typically, I would, um, I would generally say that I can outperform with my blades, um, for the most part. Um, this year has not been that typical, so it, it's kind of bizarre. Um, oh, yeah. As an example, last year, um, it seemed like if I didn't have a 13-inch grandma on the water, I wasn't catching. So, you know, every year it varies a little bit, um, and you got to put that time in and experiment. There's no doubt about it, and uh, that makes the difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's one big advantage we have here. I mean, you know, when we're running so many rods, like I'll have a couple of rods that I just call dead rods, you know. They go off. They go off. It's going to be a good fish, you know what I mean? And then you know, I also ex- experiment with it. And, you know, and now with that pan optics, you know, I'll, I'll make up a tail or, you know, put a bait out there and I'll watch that one, see if I get any follows or anything on it. I mean, you know, so we definitely got a, you know, advantage here, like what we were talking about earlier with the, you know, uh, running more rods. So. So when you say, say a dead rod, um, are you, are you talking about a bigger bait then, Jason? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like right now, uh, you know, like I said, right now our double tens are a little slow, uh, in which they'll get going here soon. But you know, right now I just, you know, I'll put that, I'll put that double ten on there, or or a bigger bait, or you know, a bait that hasn't been going that well. That's typically a big fish bait. I'll put that there. You know, what I mean, that way, you know, I could watch it with the pan optics, see if I'm getting follows. And you know, I tell clients, I go, this rod goes, it's going to be a, a better fish, or you know, it's not going to go. So, you know, that's the nice thing about being able to run more rods is you can experiment with stuff. You know? I wish we had that. <laughs> I bet, I bet. You can just pack more people in your boat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can fit many more in there. Well, that's what I said. Refugee. <laughs> I think we were rolling with eight one day. Oh, or did we have ten in there? Yeah. I believe it. It's a big barge, so you, you got plenty of room in there. I got to experience that a couple weeks ago. I'm really looking forward to getting over to St. Clair, though. I'm anxious to see the panoptics in uh, in use because I keep hearing about it, but I've never seen it, you know, in person in use. I've seen a couple of videos of it getting used, but I, I mean, it sounds like sounds like it can be a real game changer. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, and, and it'll get better too. Uh, you know, right now uh, we're definitely not getting as many follows as I thought I, I was getting trolling per se. But it's you know the water's cold right now. The fish aren't super active. You know, uh, opposed to how they will be you know, in a week or you know two weeks. And I'm going to get more and more action. It's just like uh, when I was using that walleye fishing this year. Um, you know, I started last week of March, and uh, there's typically not that many walleyes in the river yet. And, you know, I'm like, well, I'm not that impressed with this panoptics yet. Well, like two days later, when we started getting a bigger influx of fish come in, I was like, oh, all right, here we go. So, I mean, as the season progresses, there's going to be a lot more to learn. And, you know, and that's what, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, you just want to watch your fish eat the bait? No, it's not about that you know, all the other things you're going to learn on the way. So, and then like while, while I jigging with it, for example, um, I was, uh, we're in 40 feet of water. I'm looking at my line, you know, I got the current of the Detroit river going 1.5 to two mile an hour. And I got you know, a hard Northeast wind. So I'm using my trolling motor to keep us vertical. And you look at your line and you're, and you say, well, well it's vertical. And I'm looking down at my pan optics. I'm like, where's my jig at? Well, I had to literally speed up to the point where my line was uh, like a 45 degree angle. And then my line was vertical down deep. Then all of our jigs were under the boat and we started catching fish. You know what I mean? It's just like little things like that, that you'll pick up on that, you know, are going to be a big advantage. That's pretty incredible. I I don't know how true this is, but I just heard that uh, Tennessee and Kentucky um, outlawed them for bass tournaments. Is that true? Is there any you guys know anything about that? I've been I don't know. I've been in the water every day, so I I really don't know much going on besides the wind and (laughs) weather. But I mean, possibly. I mean, I mean, they're they're literally like it's like watching a camera. So. Well, I'm, I'm going to experience it myself here shortly. Um, a good friend of mine who uh, is a walleye guide, and um, he told me that he believes it's already doubled his catch. So, I, oh, yeah. you know, where he'd normally catch 10 walleyes, now he's catching 20. Um, because mm. he said that as he lifts a few fish off of that bed where they're working, um, all of a sudden they quit. And he knows there's 30 to 40, 50 of them down there what happens is they just kind of move over. And so now he can relocate them and get right back on them quickly. Um, and I think you could do some of that with your side imaging as well. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, just another tool, you know, another tool for the yeah. arsenal. And uh, I don't know. I'm curious and excited to see some of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I can't, I mean, trolling with it's great, but I can't wait to cast with it more as well. You know, there'd be a lot more to see and learn with it casting. And, you know, because like with the side imaging, I, I guide on the back of the boat. So I see my follows come in. You know, clients will see me on the back of the boat, figure eight, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, there's a fish down there. And they're like, yeah, right. You know, something comes up and, you know, either used to bait or they did see it eventually. And they're like, wow. Well, you know, not having the side imaging on the front, I can't really watch the client's baits. So the way I'm going to have the transducer mounted on the side, you know, uh, 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 with that mount. Oh, right now I got ram mount, but we're having a, a, a mount made. You can point it any direction you want. When you have it on your trolling motor, the only downfall of that is is if you have your trolling motor pointed one way, then you're going to lose your signal. You know what I mean? So you know because it's not going to be where you want it pointed. Right. So like the way I have it mounted, then you keep it anywhere, any which way you want. So 
yeah, if you get those clients to fish at a certain angle off your bow of your boat, you should be able mm-hmm. to shoot that and watch it the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, more so, tools. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of touched on it. You're a multi-species fisherman, Jason. Um, how many, I mean, are you guiding walleyes as well, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. We started guiding walleyes the uh, last week of March. I'll do that through the, the last week of May. And then uh, I typically take the last week of May off and, you know, get the boats ready for muskies and spend a little time with the family. And then, uh, then you know, get ready to muskie fishing until December. So go, go, go. The only way that Brad and I know it, right, Brad? Pretty much. I mean, uh, if you're not going, you're dying, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Lack yeah. of sleep and long hours and uh, it pays off, I guess. That's what they tell me. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know at this point I'm looking forward to the 4th of July holiday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's always nice to have a little break. Um, you know, we're going to do something, too, as well. But uh, the problem is is that stuff starts stacking up when you take a couple days off, you know? Yeah, I'm aware. Good thing my uh, wife is handling things on my yep. end because <laughs> I've been fishing almost every day. Since I was over by you guys, I think I've been on the water. I don't know. I think I've actually had my tool belt on at work like three days out of the last 14 or something like that. And the ma- the majority of the time has been spent out fishing. Oh, that's good. You got mm-hmm. On the plus side, we're having a decent year YouTube-wise. I mean, we got uh, about three quarters is, three quarters of the total fish I think we had on film that uh, we had last year. And we've only been filming for about a month or so. So that's good. I would anticipate with a trip over to see Jason... Probably be able to get a couple a day, huh, Jason? Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully. I mean, they should be they should should be going pretty good. I mean, this, that last week of June uh, through July that you know that, you, that you're coming here, I've liked it. You know, it's been pretty good for the you know the last couple of years uh, because of the way the water temperatures have been. So we should get into them pretty good. Four or five days, four days, five days before I leave, something like that. Four days, I think. And then we got. I mean, I'm I'm assuming your your uh, forecast is similar to ours upper upper to mid lower 80s somewhere in there is that right yep yep it's going to be supposed to be in 80s every day so that will definitely help uh i can't promise you a trip like the phantom boys had but we'll uh yeah let's talk about that for a second (laughs) did you have 250s in that in the uh revival tank at one time uh we had 250s in the tank and then we had another one on we we're letting one go while we we're bringing another one in it was chaos complete chaos for like an hour and a half and then uh but it, it was a good trip we had uh three over three over 50 with uh i think eight thirty pounders so it was definitely a good trip we, we struck it good and the hex did really well uh we got them on hexes uh the 10-inch, the 7 and a half, and we got some on matlocks. And the funny thing was, that whole trip, I think we caught one or two fish on little 6-inch baits. So that, and that was it. All the rest were on big 10-inch baits and 12-inch baits. So which which, um, which bait do you like a little bit better in the hex line, the 10 or the 12? Or the 7 and a half, I guess, now. Uh, right now, uh, I'd say the 10. You know, it's got a little bit subtle action. The 12, Jeff, Jeff said he's definitely going to work on that one a little bit more, you know, try to get her calmed down. But at 10, it looks great. The 7.5 looks phenomenal. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the days right now, they're 
you know, not eating them, but they could turn on any day. So, right. but those, those pens, man, they're chewing them up. That's for sure. Uh, I know catfish got a nice 49 on them. Uh, I'm 10 inch hex last week. My buddy Eddie got a really nice 48 on it. And then, you know, all the big ones we got on them. And then, uh, we actually lost a nice one yesterday on the natural perch, uh, with the cream belly, uh, the 10 inch hex. So, they're, they're going in, you know, it's early in the season, so they'll probably chew them up all summer. Right. How about now, um, are you a headlock guy or are you a matlock guy when it comes to Supernatural? Uh, with the Supernaturals, um, uh, some days the headlocks are crushing them, and then the other days the matlocks are crushing them. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, water, how rough it is, too. Um, I used to think that the headlocks would do better in, in rougher conditions because they're not as erratic as the matlock is and as in the hunt. So I figured that the headlock would be better, but it's not the matlock's better. And the reason being is it seems more buoyant. So it's doing a little bit more, you know, diving and, you know, lifting down there, you know, suspending a little bit more and doing different stuff. The, 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 the matlocks definitely outfish the headlocks on rough days. Um, and then, vice versa sometimes the headlocks are you know crushing the uh matlocks on calm days so i mean last year we had a day it was my best trolling day of the year of course two days after a big tournament but uh we had a we had a 54 a 53 a 53 a 51 and a 49 and at first they were crushing the matlocks and i put a rodney headlock out there and the rodney headlock shut down all the rest of them and it caught the, 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 it caught the last two fifties and plenty of other fish. So, and that's one thing as a troller and with our spread here, when we're trolling, you know, I'll have the boards out, you know, they're 150 feet each side of the boat, uh, the boat. Now, you know, you gotta take away the angle. So on average or 200 feet wide or w- whatever they are, I'll have 12 baits out. And the first time I ever had headlocks or matlocks, I was running my 10 inch diggies, my 10 inch, nils and everything is fall time and we caught 29 fish in two days and those fish keyed in on those two on those on that on those two headlocks over all the rest of the, of the 10 lures of that whole spread going by those fish keyed in on, on those two baits except one fish in 29 days i mean except, except for except for one fish out of, out of those 29 fish that's really interesting um, yes when, yes when you when this is maybe more a little bit in depth, Jason, but when you're building your school, say on the port side of your boat, do you mix in other types of uh, swimming crankbaits or do you try to keep them kind of small? Oh, oh, no, no, yeah. No, there'll be different ones. You know, like, uh, you know, like right now, for instance, uh, I have a, uh, a six inch crank on the outside or a bucktail, and then right next to that, then I'll have a matlock. And then it's all about the different angles it's running too. And yeah. also, when you're running a mass system like that, that matlock and headlock are are making your baits in general do different things because the way it's tugging on your planer board line. You know, the, 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 like that's another thing a lot of people got to think about. You know, it, it will actually change your set out there as well and help you add more action to your other lures because that those headlocks are thumping so hard it'll literally shake your your board line. And it's going to affect the next lure right next to it as well. So that's a valid point. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of things like that. I mean, 
you know, like how our boards run here, how they surge, like making them surge the right way. That's why when, you know, people say trolling to, you know, casting, which I don't even get in that debate because I like doing both. But there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fine, you know, fine details about trolling as in, in casting. But there's a lot to think about when you're trolling about like what your lures are doing in the water. So that's pretty interesting. I got a weird question kind of off topic. Um, does St. Clair develop a thermocline then being that you're only like 20 feet? Nope. No thermocline. No thermocline. Uh, the lake could flip to where, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, where it's cooler on the bottom and, you know, uh, where it's warmer on the bottom and cooler on the surface. I mean, that could happen, but there's no thermocline. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I wish there was, it had a different dynamic to it, but there's no thermocline. And that's one benefit too, for us, if we did have a thermocline, if we were in deeper water, it would be, you know, harder on the fish in the summertime. You know what I mean? But since we don't have a thermocline, our water is basically the same temperature. Like I'll drop, say the, the uh, temperature's 75 on the surface. It will maybe at the most be two, three degrees cooler on the bottom most days. You know what I mean? So it's not like we're dragging fish up from cold water to warm water. So that's yeah. one advantage of not having a thermocline. So, you know, like for the, you know, as in the fish, as you know, the, the health of them when you're catching them. Right. Well, I figured that you didn't have one, but I was just curious on that just to kind of highlight that. Um, I agree with you. It is way easier on the fish that way. Um, what are some of the highest water temps that you end up encountering? Um, I know you got a lot of water running through there, so I'm sure it doesn't get crazy hot. Um, on average water, you know, or like low water, I mean, it can get, you know, 80, 82 on, a, you know, on the surface. Um, the most I've seen in the morning, like, so actual morning temperature, you know, 77, 78. And when it does get that warm, which it hasn't gotten really that warm in the last three years because of the high water coming, you know, all that water's coming from Lake Huron. Um, it's, uh, where we fish, we move to, you know, the most current in the lake. You know what I mean? We'll leave the east end and, and so do the fish, you know, on a normal year, the bait fish, everything move out to that, to that deeper, cooler water where there's more current and, and it's really good fishing as well. But, you know, that we'll be out there, you know, out of that warmer water. So, but I mean, you still got to take care of the fish. You got to, you know, anyone using a, a mass system, unless you can stop your boat a hundred percent, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you got to have a live well. And, and, and the live wells here, you know, I know they get some negative light throughout the musky community because they really don't understand. Most guys who come here and they see it, they're like, wow, that's a great idea. But most boats, if they have a mass system, they got to have some kind of, like, revival system in their boat because you know, that's what's really hard on the fish. You know, because it's not like you can just stop the boat with a mass system. You know, like when we're fighting a big fish, we'll slow her down to, you know, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.2, you know, just as long as, you know, the boards aren't flipping around the boat but you still can't, you know, revive a fish like we do casting. You know what I mean? So, you, you know, it, it is really important to be able to have that revival tank in the boat. How big is your uh, revival tank? Uh, mine's uh, 58 inches. Uh, so it pumps in from our washdown systems on the boat. Uh, it pumps in uh, six, to, uh, I think six to eight gallons per minute. Um, in the summertime, I wire in an extra aerator. Um, inside the tank to add more oxygen to the water and you know it, when the water is a little bit warmer to help them 
and then it just ditch, it, then it just uh, discharges out the back of the tank right into the scupper, and it's it's constantly flowing. So, and so then once you uh, are bringing the fish out of the revival tank, I, I'm guessing that you're pretty much chucking them back in, right? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Similar to a saltwater guy. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, we just put them back in head first, you know, so that way they do go in the water. I mean, we don't throw them in like some of these other videos you've seen out here, right. but we, uh, we do put them back in head first. But, yep. you know, usually when you get them in that tank, it's, you know, for one, we're pulling deeper, cooler water, you know what I mean? Because our, our boats, you know, are taking water from deeper because, you know, they draft two and a half, three foot. So, and it's constantly flowing. You put them in that tank, I mean, Usually, when you take a picture with them, you know they're revived. You know they're they're you know they're ready they're ready to go at it. So and they take right off. So I mean, and just like anything else, I mean, there's times that they they do struggle a little bit, but you know that, that's musky fishing. You know, it can happen casting, trolling, whatever. So, but you just got to take care of the fish the best you possibly can, and at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Yeah, and I th- I think it's important for the listeners to hear that you know that you guys do care about fish and that it's oh, yes. as important to you as it is anybody else. So well, well, it's funny. I mean, like the clients in the summertime, you know, musky fishing, they'll see us, you know, with them in the tank, you know, for you know, massage them and taking care of them, <laughs> and then in you know, then during walleye fishing, I'm bringing the walleyes out of the live well and whacking them. And they're like, this is a little different scenario than the summertime. <laughs> I'm like, yep, sure is. Well, so. I think one thing too about you know getting back on Brad's point about you guys taking care of the fishery and caring about the fish. As far as I know, the season's open all the time on St. Clair, right for muskies. Yep, yep. Uh, that's a little bit of a sour subject around here. I mean, we didn't want that. Uh, that's only on the Michigan side. Um, the Canadian side is still uh, the first Saturday in June through December 15th, and that's what we all follow here. I mean, all of our muskie clubs. That's what we, you know, that's what we go by. The Michigan DNR uh, started started that two years ago. Me, Spencer Berman, and numerous other guides went to you know DNR meetings and tried fighting it and just fell on deaf ears. So on a natural reproducing fishery, they're letting you know letting guys come out here and fish. There's not that many guys doing it from what I gather, but you know hopefully it stays that way. You know because let's let them do yeah, their I thing. I remember the I remember the fight. I remember you guys. I remember especially Spencer leading the charge big time and. But again, to your point about taking care of the fishery, you guys literally could go out there and fish earlier as soon as the ice is off, fish for these muskies. But, you know, everybody's, you know, doing their due diligence to take care of the fishery by not putting the pressure on it. Because like you said, it's a naturally reproducing fishery. So obviously not, you know, fishing for them during the spawn is detrimental to them. And, you know, you guides, yeah, you could make extra money, but it goes, it goes, um, you know, says a lot about the character of what you guys care about with that fishery by not going out there and fishing until, you know, right. I mean, like I said, you, you guys just have an artificial date that you set because of that. Um, even though you could legally fish whenever you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, and right now, you know, like when we bring up that argument, some guys are like, well, your water's running behind right now. It's cold. And, you know, you're fishing right now, which, you know, that that's true. I mean, we've caught pre-spawn fish this year and, um, you know, we put them right, you know, we take care of them, put them right back. But, you know, like you said, it's an artificial date. But, you know, until once the high water is gone, then we'll be right back at, at a normal pace. You know, typically here mid-May, the spawn's over. So, but, you know, now with 
with the high water, you know, everything's really is running behind. So one, one other question I have for you, what is your primary, um, bait fish that you're fishing out there? Oh, uh, a, a gizzard shed. Um, like when I was younger, we had gizzard shed, but not like we do now. Um, and now we have legitimate 20, 22 inch gizzard shed. Um, you know, and the fish are thicker, you know, the, the gizzard, gizzard shad are oilier based fish opposed to, you know, white bass or suckers or, you know, perch or whatever they're eating before. But now it's mainly the gizzard shed. Interesting. I, I didn't realize they'd get that big either, Jason. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, uh, I didn't see any of that big until a couple of years ago. Spencer came by my boat and he threw a fish in my boat. And I'm like, what is that? And I go over and I'm like, holy crap, it's a gizzard shed and a muskie must have hit it. And, you know, gut stomach was ripped open. And uh, on the bump board, it was 20 and a half inches. And the other day, uh, I just got down mountain of panoptics. And one of the other days, a month ago, I just got down mountain of panoptics in the, in the trolling boat. And uh, me and my buddy that, uh, that works with me were shining across the canal and school of bait fish go by and literally like 20 seconds later there's a 20 plus inch gizzard shed up on the cement a muskie or a pike was chasing it through the canal and it jumped out of the water to get away <laughs> so wow yeah uh, uh, yeah so the main forge is gizzard shed i mean whether they eat silver bass you know or white bass whatever some people call them we call them silver bass uh um uh sheephead and you know like in our live well you know, the one cool thing when they're inside there, they'll, they'll cough up, you know, you know, uh, fish remains sometimes and, you know, the little stones and sheep head, you know, and they're in, in their skull, there'll, there'll be stones from sheep head sitting in the live well, you know, bones, all kinds of stuff. So sheep head and white bass, everything, but primarily gizzard shed. Interesting. So Jason, let's talk. I know one thing we hadn't talked about and I'm just curious about it myself a little bit. So back i don't you'll have to you'll have to get the details vhs let's talk about vhs for a second and let's talk about where where the st Clair fishery is right now um getting away from like the actually catching part i just want, want to know more about the fishery itself so from what i understand st Clair always used to be known as a fishery that produced really small you know skinny fish and but there were still piles of them yeah then vhs hit and it seems as though it changed that fishery quite a bit for the better Oh yeah. Yep. Big time. I mean, it could be attributed to, uh, there's a couple different theories, but, um, 2006, we had a, uh, a VHS die off. It was a, a decent one in 2007. We had a real big VHS die off. I mean, we've seen thousands of muskies floating down Detroit river. Um, and then, you know, with that being said though, 2008 and, uh, 2009 and 10, some of the biggest muskies in this lake, like the lake record for weight, uh, for the weight record is 48 pounds. That was caught in 2009, 45 pounder caught in 2009. Uh, I got the heaviest summer fish caught. That was, uh, uh, that was in August, 2010. Uh, that was a 42 pounder in August. Um, I mean, so that, that VHS knocked out the weak genes, you know, what we think and, you know, the, the, the big fish last, you know, the, the big fish made it through. Now we had another small VHS die off last year. The DNR said maybe it was 10%. And I mean, I was on a Detroit river every day. So <clears throat> anything that comes out of Lake St. Clair, anything that comes out of Lake St. Clair goes to the Detroit river. Um, you know, that's where it goes to Lake Erie. 
And so, you know, if it was horrible, I'd see tons of muskies. I, I mean, I maybe saw like 100 dead muskies throughout the whole walleye season during 2018. This year, I didn't see, you know, barely any. So it wasn't as bad, you know, the DNR said 10%, but I don't know if they really have a good number on that or not. And, you know, I, I don't really see a difference from last year, but uh, the VHS 2007, for the most part, I think it helped because our fish are really thick now. Uh, for the opening weekend uh, tournament, a guy won the opening weekend tournament with a 49 incher that was that was officially weighed and it was released. Uh, you know, because they had it in the live well. A guy got a 49 incher that was officially weighed in a cradle and then let go. Uh, 38 and a half pounds, 49 incher. I mean, that's that's a fat fish. Uh, 51 incher was at a 38 pounds, 39 pounds, and you know. You know, throughout the musky world, you hear guys talk about, you know, numbers like that. But when an official 51 incher that's 38 pounds, that's that's a giant fish. Well, um, so speaking of giant is. fish, um, yeah. let's talk about a 57 and a quarter inch fish that you got last year. You want to give us a story on that thing? That's uh, that's that's going to be tough to beat. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got lucky, that's for sure. Uh, um, actually, Spencer and Mike Holbert were, you know, busting my chops a little bit that morning because uh, I – I troll a lot more in June, July, and August, and I start to cast more in August, September, you know, throughout the rest of the season. And then they asked me if I remember how a bait caster worked, and we were laughing. Uh, I will text you when I get a giant, and just went out and sat up on my line that I've been trolling. I had perfect wind for it. And uh, second fish, it was on uh, uh, Orange Tail, uh, Orange Tail Dago uh, Pounder by Muskie Innovations, and. Uh, uh, it was probably like second pole, like before coming to my eight, little little tiny tick. And then and then I got real, and, you know. She had a free spooler probably three four times, and the whole time I was fighting her, I thought she'd like a fifty four incher. You know, I didn't really think it was fifty seven. And I'm not very good at judging in the water anyway, though. Like if I talk to Spencer or anyone else, Holbert, and I tell them I saw fifty, they're usually like oh fifty two. So, anyways, uh. I'm fighting it and had a free spool it three, four times. And we only netted it. I thought, it was, you know, 54, 55. And the guy with me, he fished with Herbie, uh, uh, Tom Rude. He's fished with Herbie and other, you know, good guys. He's seen big fish. And he goes, 54? I'm like, yeah. I grabbed the head. I'm like, wow. And I keep pulling it out. And he's like, holy moly. And I slapped it on the musky bumper. And the tail was like 57 almost without a tail pinch. I'm like, oh, my God. So, uh, for our muskie club, we introduced the CPR division, uh, probably four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago. Uh, that's probably five years ago. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, to change it, you know, cause the club here is mainly weight. Um, you know, that's what it always was. The club has been here for 65 years. So we introduced the CPR division and the catch photo release division. We all have the same bump board. Uh, when you get into the side bet, you, you get the same solid bump board. And then now we take the picture on the bump board and then, and then you take it out and let it go. So, uh, you know, then take the picture and then let the fish go. So that instead of running fish, like the club does here, you know, that's something we introduced. So I had to call Spencer and I like, get over here, do I need, I go, I need to take a picture on a, on a CPR board. He's like, how big is it? I go, it's big. He goes 55. I go, just get over here. So he was over there and helped me take the picture and helped me gather myself because I wasn't really all there it was pretty emotional at the time <laughs> and then uh took the pictures and let her go i mean for the club the mouth has to be pinned shut and on a fish that size you know that's 
you know, uh, you, you literally lose quarter inch to a half inch. So, I mean, it's probably 57 and a half, 57 and three quarters, but I'll take the 57 and a quarter because I'll probably never see that one, uh, one that long again in my life, I'm sure. So. It's really cool. Um, you should be super pumped about that for sure. Everybody's dream. Um, no way. To, not to take away from that fish, but what what is the largest fish you've caught trolling then? So um, my my longest is uh is a, a fifty five and five eight. Um, again, that's you know that's with the mouth shut, you know, so mouth open, you know, all that jazz since fifty six. But the, the fifty five and five eight is, is my longest trolling. So um, I always wanted a fifty six incher, and I just went right to fifty seven and got lucky. <laughs> Still can't. <believe> it. <laughs> It don't really yeah. feel like it, ever, it, 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 it. Even when it happened, it didn't feel like it happened. I mean, it all happened so fast, and you know. And the, the coolest thing about the whole thing for me is, is everyone said, "Oh, Lake Saint Clair don't have 57 inches. Lake Saint Clair don't have 58 inches." And I can't say before I caught that fish, I saw 57s or 58s. But after I seen that fish in the water and like let it go and you know handled it, I've seen you know numerous fish bigger than that one. Or at least the same size. So that's incredible. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. You know, from everything that I know about you, Jason, um, nobody deserves it any more than you. Um, I've heard from many many people, not only your clients, but as well as uh, other professional fishermen. Um, you're very very well respected, and one um, known as one of the hardest working guys out there too. So. I appreciate Congrats. it. Yeah, it's a super special yeah, fish. Yeah, a lot of good fishermen out here, you know, and uh, you know, we all put in our time and you know, right spot and I mean it's not it's not all luck, but it's still a lot of luck when it comes to something like that. So uh, and all the pictures that were posted, those are the ones of me not crying. But all the rest <laughs> of my face is all <laughs> you definitely see, you see me crying. <laughs> Oh. Well, I think I think you admitting that too kind of shows uh, the listeners what kind of person you are, Jason. Uh, um, and that, that's really cool. I I get more excited about big fish than the clients do most of the time. You know, when you know the clients are pumped up, I'm pumped up right there with them, and that's what we'll always. You know, don't get me wrong. I love walleye fishing. You know, it's great. It's you know, it's fun. But by the time it's over, I'm ready for it to be over. Muskies. Every time I see a big muskie, it just something about it i mean and you know i've seen you know being lucky you know lucky to fish out here i've seen you know my fair share of them and it's definitely not getting old i still love every day of it that's positive that's really positive yeah i think we've probably got to get a tip from jason here pretty quick because we're at about our 18 minutes are we going to break a record jeff depending upon how long it takes for jason to wrap this thing up maybe <laughs> I mean, initially we started podcast. We were thinking forty-five minutes, Brad. We've had anything close to forty-five minutes in the last, I don't know, ten episodes, probably. No, you know it, it's tough. Um, we've been looking through different comments that we've received, and so on and so forth, with messages and and uh, definitely we want to try to get more in depth. And um, I think we're doing that. Um, maybe it's not as in depth as some would like it, but. Uh, it's tough, you know, in an hour type program like that to really get to the nitty gritty, but uh, we're going to keep working at it and hopefully make some positive changes. Well, it's also tough because 
a lot of the guys that we're talking to, they make a living on the water, you know, and we really appreciate them even coming on to give them as much information as they give us. Because, I mean, realistically, Jason would prefer if you hire him <laughs> to show him this stuff than to give it away on the podcast. So that's why we appreciate it when they come on and give it here. Because, you know, so if you like our podcast, you like the information that Jason gave us, if you're heading out to St. Clair, I mean, definitely consider hiring Jason based off of the information that he gave you tonight. Hands down. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, the guides out there, most of them, they'll, they'll give you everything. They really will. I mean, they're working hard at it, and they want to get a good experience. So you're right about that, Jeff. Um, well, let's shift into uh, a good tip for the listeners, if you can, Jason. I was going to say, basically, if somebody's coming out to St. Clair for, let's just say, the first time, you, you got something to get them started if they're not looking to hire you, which, again, we definitely endorse Jason, hire Jason. But if you're not going to and you want to go out there and give it a shot, maybe Jason can get you pointed in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that you want to do is look for uh, colored water. I mean, but the first thing that you're going to do, though, when you come here is pay attention to the wind. You know, if, if, you're, if you launch out of the Michigan side, even the Canadian side, and you're not paying attention to the wind, you get yourself in a hurry. You get yourself in trouble in a hurry. So um, pay attention to the wind. But when you're out here fishing, the main thing is is the water color. You know, you don't want to be in gin clear water. You don't want to be in too clean of water. You want to try to find the water that's right in between. You know, if you're casting, like I said earlier, three foot to two and a half foot trolling, you know, you definitely want to be in some kind of stained water and work those stain edges too. You know, and like, like when you see that, that water, that color line, that's where you want to be fishing. Uh, cause the bait fish are hanging out there and the muskies are hanging out there. Um, you know, and then, uh, pay attention to your water temperatures. You know, you don't want to be in the coldest water in the system in early June. You want to try to be in the warmest water system. So you want to stay away from currents. You want to try to get away, you know, try to get to the slack, you know, to the slack water away from the current. Um, and, uh, follow Spencer Berman and Mike Holbert. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a really good tip. Probably the best one we've heard yet. Yeah. No, but, uh. Do you still then, have that GPS module that, uh, guys can buy from you and track them? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Usually, usually you can hear them. It's, uh, no, Holbert and Spencer are both pretty boisterous on the water so you can hear him a little a little ways in the distance there but <laughs> back to, back to fishing though and then uh you know out here especially once you get going here the small tails will be going good you know if you're trying to put some fish in a boat you know i wouldn't focus too much on the, on the big big baits you know run your six inch cranks your small tails the single girl that's been really good um, and start messing with different blade combinations. Uh, you know, the different blade combinations are key. I've been doing that a lot. You know, you get the same double 10 that goes by all the time. You know, different colors. You got to switch it up and, you know, different baits. Right now, with the high water, I try to keep your baits in the top, in the top half of the water column. You know, the, the deeper sets, for some reason, are not firing the way they normally would. So uh, I focus on the top half of the water column. Um, you know, posted, you know, try and get them down there deeper. So, and, but every day is different. So, but, you know, stagger in the water column, your baits, and, you know, if you're trolling, focus on some little baits, especially this time of year. And if you're casting, you know, uh, your bulldogs, medusas, uh, your, uh, your cowgirls, and try to focus in, you know, the two to three foot visibility. 
for casting. I think that's really good stuff, Jason. Um, definitely providing some information that uh, would cut the learning curve quickly. So, Jason, if somebody wants to hire you for a guide trip, what is the contact information for you? Yeah, it's uh, I got my phone number is five eight six three five zero zero nine three four. And then uh, they can go on the web, uh, com, or they can email me at uh, finsgrinscharters at gmail.com. Or, 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 or they can message me on Facebook or whatever, too. So, Excellent. And if you would like to get in touch with us at Backlash Podcast, you can reach us at backlashpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, which we'd appreciate if you like our page. Check us out on Instagram, like our page there. Um, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean. I think that's it. If you want to pick up some custom musky gear or just regular musky gear you can check out my website my name is jeff i'm the owner of team rhino outdoors we're a retailer who sells pretty much everybody in the in the musky world these days it seems like hopefully we have a couple of baits there that'll catch some fish on st Clair because we're gonna head there to fish with jason in a few days oh yeah brad why don't you talk about your company for a second and then we're out well it's myself brad hoppy and my wife carrie um we run Muskie Mayhem Tackle, and uh, you can reach us through social media such as Instagram, uh, Facebook, as well as our website at uh, muskymayhem.com. Muskymayhemtackle.com, excuse me. <laughs> Beautiful. Carrie, you got anything to add to this one? I'm just happy that you're still awake. Usually you ditch us by now because it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, she, it, she it showed up. It's not 1 o'clock in the morning. You guys finally did a podcast at a reasonable time. That's because we wanted Jason to go to sleep. Jason, <laughs> Jason probably appreciates that. No, I think it sounded great. I, I actually think I learned a little bit. I think I learned. I think I learned a lot, but I'm not that good of a musky fisherman. Jason, I'll find that out in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> you just find Jeff. You got to believe. What baits are you bring with you, Jeff? Well. I was going to ask you what what Pink lemonade. I'm going to ask you Jason probably have you go through my website and then um just send me a list of what you think we need to have and then I'll bring Absolutely. I'll bring some stuff but again um I mean, as much as we like to run our own stuff I'm not going to handicap you you know we'll probably just put some of it out there that you think will catch fish and if we're catching fish on something that we don't carry or a color that we don't carry then we're going to go with that cuz we still want to catch muskies You know You know with, with with you saying that and, and this is something that uh, could be said with the Phantom guys. I fished with other bait makers before, and you know, not saying nothing bad or negative, but I asked, I asked the Phantom guys. I'm like, I'm like, you guys want to run all your stuff, or do you guys want to run, you know, half and half? They go, nope, half and half, because we want to see how our baits compare to your baits, and that means, you know, I mean, because usually guys just want to catch fish on their baits only, and that's how much those guys care about, like you know, improving their baits or making their baits or seeing like the different colors, you know, like just wants to make a thing clear package page i mean you know what i mean so so we'll, we'll do the same thing we'll go half and half and go from there but you have a, a whole bunch of baits on your website that will do dynamite i'm sure so we'll do great awesome well i'm looking forward to it and uh we'll see you in a few days but until then thank you very much for coming on tonight we really appreciate you taking the time out to inform some people a little bit hopefully the listeners are maybe 
going to be able to help put a few fish in the boat if they're heading to St. Clair. Or possibly maybe we brought something up that they think they could apply to their waters and uh, catch right. a couple fish that way too. Yep, definitely. Well, thank you everyone for coming out tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Brad, for bringing your two cents. Thanks, Carrie, for not falling asleep on us. And thank you, Jason, for coming out tonight. Yeah, uh, thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. No problem, Jason. Good luck on the water in the rest of the season. We'll, I'm sure right, we'll right. be talking here and there. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, bud. Bye.